five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning? Awesome, awesome. It really feels like, I say this all the time, but it really feels like the start of football today because, uh, again, uh, Alabama's going to start practice in 11 days or less. Uh, got that big news today about the NIL store, as I'm going to call it, the NIL store in Bryant-Denny that's going to be really super cool. But uh, really, me and you, Clint, are both huge fans of the NFL and uh, – Good Morning Football uh, started today with their brand new cast. I was eager to see that. And uh, basically every NFL training camp is open now. If not today, if not today, then tomorrow. So like all day on NFL Network, there's going to be reports from camps. And uh, that is football season. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely want to take a second to throw, you know, a shout out to John Mechie, who was diagnosed with the most curable form of leukemia but leukemia nonetheless and so he's got a little bit of a battle ahead of him i have no doubt that he'll fight that battle with uh every bit as much determination and fight as he did all the battles that he had on the football field for alabama and will continue to have once he's able to get back on the football field we don't know exactly when that'll be but definitely want to let him know that he's in our thoughts and prayers you know, what a fantastic representative for the University of Alabama over the last several years. So definitely wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, but uh, on the one hand, it's devastating news because that C word, you know, that, that that's affected all of us in some way. It's affected every single person listening to the show and it's scary. And uh, but at the same time, uh, obviously, it's caught early. He's fortunate to, to be in, in a position where he's constantly examined by trainers and doctors and then to be drafted by the Houston Texans and, and basically what amounts to the cancer curing capital of the U.S., Houston, Texas. So, uh, yeah, we'll be thinking about John all year and can't wait to see him play football again one day. Absolutely. 100%. So, yeah, today after last week, we got back into the position previews that's what we're going to be doing today we're going to be talking about the offensive line we mentioned that last week I did four questions that I had for Alabama's offensive line entering fall camp posted that on on the message board and that created quite a bit of conversation just people throwing out what they think the offensive line can look like concerns that they have you know evaluations based off of what happened last year Obviously, we we kind of have an idea of who those starters are going to be for the most part. There's still some battles going on, still some changes that could be made if certain guys don't step up like a J.C. Latham at right tackle. You never know when a Kendall Randolph or an Amari Kite kick over to that side, or maybe even a true freshman and Tyler Booker could find himself in the mix as well. So a lot of uncertainty with the position, but as we've continued to say throughout the offseason, a lot of talent as well. So, Jimmy, kind of give me your initial thoughts on Alabama's offensive line and how you see it heading into fall camp. Yeah, I'm going to say something similar to what I said a year ago when, you know, I bet we could go back and, and pull the same show, Clint, the position preview of the offensive line. And I, I probably said on that show, Alabama season will be dictated by the offensive line. And, and, and if Alabama's offensive line is good, then they can win the national championship. If it's not, they won't. And I felt adamant about that. And I think the way the season played out, 
actually did not prove me correct in, in one way. It did in one way and not in the other. I think the season played out in a way that showed that Alabama's offensive line was the weak, weakest unit on the team in terms of like, okay, what, what, what's not elite, you know, about this offensive or about this, this football team as a whole. And, and that answer was the offensive line. That, that was correct. We were correct about that for sure. Now, where I may have been wrong is, look, this is just not trying to totally homer out here, but just my opinion, if John Mechie and, and Jamison Williams had not been hurt, I, I think Alabama would have won the national championship, even with this offensive line. So maybe the offensive line didn't dictate how the season turned out. Really, maybe injuries at the wide receiver group did. But uh, we were correct in pointing out that the offensive line was the weak link. I, I'm here one year later saying something similar. Uh, I, I do think the offensive line is probably the unit with the most questions, more so than wide receiver, more so than the defensive line, even more so than tight end, in my opinion. Um, I, I think it's 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 not elite. It, they won't win the Joe Moore Award. They won't produce multiple first-round picks. Uh, it's just not as good as the other units on the team. Now, will it be improved over last year? My answer is yes. And I'm not going to say this year that the team will only go as far as the offensive line will let it because I think the offensive line will be good enough because it will be better than last year. Um, and it gets back to, to almost this simple concept of football to me, Clint, is that Last year, we did. Some people asked me, well, how, how do you think the offensive line can be better when you're losing Evan Neal? He was the best player off the weakest link, the weakest unit. And now you're losing Evan Neal and you think the offensive line's going to be better. Well, I think it's going to be better for this reason. If you had four Evan Neals and one Jimmy Stein, your offensive line is terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. You're, you're not going to get anybody. You're not going to be able to get a thing done except maybe in short yardage because you can just run away from Jimmy and run behind the four Evans. Other than that, Jimmy's going to get whipped on every snap. There's going to be a constant leak, a constant problem. And the fact that you got four first round picks playing the other spots won't matter because there's a constant leak. And I'm not so much, I know people listen to this or like, I like I'm blaming a one guy last year. That's not true at all. There were actually multiple leaks last season. I think the leaks have been plugged. I really believe that. I, I don't think there is a weak spot anywhere on the, on the offensive line. I think there's some spots stronger than others. But I think each unit, each spot on the, in the unit will be adequately blocked, adequately. That doesn't mean steamrolling people and, and winning the Joe Moore again. It means less leaks. That will allow Bryce and the skill players to operate more efficiently than they did a year ago. And uh, for that reason, uh, I think it's an improved group. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And that's kind of been my whole entire point the entire offseason since the first time we had this conversation about the offensive line heading into to the spring. And even before that, where I think the offensive line can improve is the fact that you don't have the defense, opposing defenses, don't have one place that they can look at your offensive line and say, that's where we're going to attack. That's where we're going to get consistent success pretty much on a snap-in, snap-out basis. And when you can do that, that makes your entire game plan a lot easier because Evan Neal's not going to be perfect. Guys like JV and Cohen, who was extremely long, young last year, guys like 
Darian Dalcourt, who was still getting acclimated to being a starter, and Seth McLaughlin, once he stepped in, you know, Emil Ikior Jr., he had been a starter, but he's not going to be perfect, you know, so you're going to be able to get pressure from those areas as well, but with the one place that you can take it to the bank that you're going to be able to apply consistent pressure, you know, obviously Chris Owens is going to have good reps. You know, Damian George is going to have good reps. So that's not necessarily that, you know, it's like every single snap necessarily, but pretty much, you know, consistently, you know that there's going to be a steady stream of pressure coming from off that right side. And then you use other places. You can attack other places with extra pressure to, you know, maybe apply pressure points from other places along your offensive line because you know that as long as you've got a good pass rusher, you can put him in one-on-one matchups against that, you know, Alabama right tackle last year. Now, granted, Alabama did some things to try to mask that, and some of that worked as far as tight ends are concerned, as far as running backs and protection. But it was still a huge liability uh, for Alabama's offense. And so if you can get that position shored up where it's not an automatic, you know, you're going to have losses, obviously, as far as, you know, on particular plays or particular reps. But as long as it's not that steady stream, that consistent stream, that kind of consistent pressure from coming from other spots, you should be fine. Not great, not in, you know, we're not talking about in the elite category, but, you know, they're fine. And, I mean, when you look at the talent of this group, and this is the next question that I want to ask you, it is a talented group. There are a lot of highly rated players in Alabama's offensive line room, but when you compare it to, the, you know, the projected starters, you know, who are we viewing as a, first, you know, a, a surefire first-round pick? You know, are we viewing JV and Cohen as that? Are we viewing Emil Ikior, Darian Dalcourt, J.C. Latham maybe one day, but as of right now, you're not viewing him that way. Tyler Steen, steady player, are you viewing him as a, a future first-round pick? You know, no. Compare that to the 2019 group. You know, you had Alex Leatherwood. You had Evan Neal at left guard. You had Landon Dickerson at center. You had Deontay Brown at right guard, and then you had Jedrick Wills at right tackle. So you had three first-round picks. You had a very highly drafted second-round pick. I want to say number 37 overall, so you're getting up there in that borderline first-round pick and probably would have been a first-round pick had it not been for that torn ACL. And then you had a sixth-round pick in Deontay Brown at right guard. That's the kind of difference in talent. So are you concerned about the lack of star power? I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily lack of star power in Alabama's group as a whole, but as far as the projected starters. Yes, uh, it is a step back. And I think that's the thing. You know, I, I read a lot of people's opinions on the message boards, uh, I, and particularly Bam on three. I, I, I'm what and Twitter. What I'm looking for is, uh, you know, opinions that are maybe a little different than mine. I, I'm, I'm just trying, try, trying to take it all in. And here, here's one thing I, I think too many people were wrong to blame. Uh, the offensive line problems last year on Doug Marone. Uh, While while I would agree that that was probably not uh, a stellar gold star on his resume last season, I I would agree with that. He had every reason to, 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 to maybe not be the the best a plus effort of his career, where he's the head coach of an NFL team and then an offensive line coach in college football. I get that you're probably not getting the a plus there from Marone. But Alabama's biggest problem on the offensive line a year ago was it was a tremendous step backward in in personnel based on what Alabama's had during most of the Saban era, where, yes, there was a first-round pick, but there was just one. And the others, they might be future NFL players, but no one was ready to, to prove that. 
And, and, and this year, I do think it's a similar issue, although it's a step better than last year. And this is why. Now, I think J.C. Latham is, is very possibly a high pick in the draft one day. Now, is Alabama going to see that this fall? Are we going to see a first-round pick in J.C. Latham? Or, or, you know, my hope, and I think it's fair, my hope is that we see enough from Latham this fall to where we're saying, hey, in the future, he's a first-round pick. He's not a first-round pick today. But in the future, he might be. And, and if we're saying that, then he's on the right track. But I'm also talking about maybe the most talented guy of the five. Uh, now, Javion Cohen, I think, can be a first-round pick or more likely a second-round pick, which is great. And he does have a year of starting under his belt. He may be the highest-performing offensive lineman in the unit. I think Steen and Echior are really similar, assuming Echior's in good health. And by that, I mean, I think Steen and Echior are solid SEC linemen which basically means you're anywhere from a third to a six-round pick. I mean, you're solid. You're going to play pro football. You're probably not NFL spectacular, but you're solid. And solid is an improvement over what we saw last season. Now at center, I think, you know, McLaughlin right now is undersized uh, and doesn't have a lot of experience. Dalcourt has more experience and a little bit better size than McLaughlin but he hadn't put it all together yet either. I, I would say Dalcourt might be behind the others. So talent-wise, it's really good compared to most of America. Uh, it is not good compared to some previous Saban offensive lines that were full of all-stars and, and high-round picks. I, I don't see that, and I think Alabama is a year or two away from having that again. Uh, they just obviously went through a stretch four years ago uh, where the offensive line recruiting uh, ended up, uh, we ended up swinging and missing a couple times, which is normal that it's recruiting is what it is. That's normal. That's not like, Oh my God, what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. It's recruiting. Not every kid ends up being as good as you hope they're going to be. That's what recruiting is. Uh, but I think across the line, Clint, the talent is solid which in, in many ways is, is an improvement over last season. Yeah, where I think Doug Marone not necessarily should be blamed, but where I think he fell short, one thing that you've gotten out of Alabama's offensive line is when they identify talent and they bring talent in, you see guys taking a positive step forward in their development. You know, with JVN Cohen, good player last year, never really saw him get better. He was just, he was kind of the same guy to me pretty much all year where he was good. You can tell that there are a lot of likable traits. I can absolutely see why NFL teams think he can be a, a very good player. You just didn't see a whole lot of improvement. He was who he was pretty much the entire year, whether it be Darian Dalcourt, whether it be Seth McLaughlin when he came in. I went, you know, McLaughlin, when he was inserted into the lineup, he was, I thought, kind of a steady presence, kind of brought some stability to the center position. But did I see him get better, you know, as as his uh, snap share grew and as he became kind of a starter down the stretch? No, not necessarily. You know, Emil Ikior Jr. didn't really see a whole lot of improvement from him. He's always been a steady player. You know, we talked about, you know, when you're playing between two star players and what that can do for you as far as he was now asked last year to kind of be the guy 
and he didn't respond great. We kind of found out that he's a good player, maybe not a, a great or an elite player, but I didn't see any improvement from him. It just, he was who he was. Right tackle? I mean, if you can remember, people were excited about Chris Owens coming back. He was not viewed as the weak link going into the year. Um, now, right. I mean, because he had played some left tackle in his career and done pretty well filling in there. He had played some center when Landon Dickerson went down. Obviously, him kicking from center to right tackle right there at the last second before the Miami game. I don't know how much that affected things, but we heard about in fall camp, very inconsistent as far as his snaps are concerned, and that was viewed as a problem. So it was a way to keep him on the field, a veteran player. But, you know, he, he struggled out there in space. But that's where I'm concerned or was concerned for Alabama's offensive line last year was the lack of guys taking positive steps forward. By the end of the year, Jimmy, can you name any one player Anyone, and, and I mean, I'm not saying that you won't be able to, and this is a legitimate question, where you can say this guy right now today is much better than he was in game one at the beginning of the season. Is there any one player that you can name? No, 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 not, 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 not at all. I mean, I think the closest thing to it would be Cohen, but I, I agree with you. It wasn't leaps and bounds. It wasn't like by the end of the year, it was a, hey, let, let's run behind Cohen and, and we'll gash him. Uh, I, I think the left side was was pretty good in large part due to Evan. Uh, yeah. But but no, I, 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 I can definitely see that. And hey, I don't want to I hate picking on kids and being negative. I mean, I hate that. But I, it just has to be said. I mean, I'm, I've been you know, I, I watch a playback of the season in chronological order. And in the last 10 days, I've watched the Arkansas game and the Auburn game. And I won't even mention his name, but number 74 played right tackle and was just Okay, we'll blame this on the coaching staff. I, that's the best way to do it. Let's blame it on the coach. That kid was absolutely not ready to play. He was not ready to play in the games. And, and I don't know why they felt that he was. And it's a pretty sad statement if, 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 if that's literally the, the best option that Alabama had. Uh, but 74 was just not ready to play in those games. Uh, it was, and, and he's a freshman, by the way. He's a freshman. It was, it was just too much too soon for him and man Alabama was shut out the first half versus Auburn and it wasn't because it's one kid's fault of course not but it, it was difficult for the offense to operate in, in that first half against Auburn and we're not talking about Georgia's fearsome front seven either Auburn's good Derek Mason is a really good defensive coordinator he had a great plan for taking advantage of Alabama's offensive line woes but, yeah, I mean, I blame that on Marone just to some extent. And here's an interesting thing, too, about that move of Chris Owens from center to right tackle that they did the week of the Miami game. And me and Clint, you know, we were me and you were talking about this at the time. Like, wow, Alabama just started playing the season with an offensive line unit that didn't practice together in the spring or the fall. These five guys practiced together for the first time the week of the Miami game, you know, and that's who they went with. I think that's on Marone to an extent. But how about this? Chris Owens undrafted. Not too many, not too many Saban starters go undrafted, by the way. There hadn't been a lot. But a Saban starter goes undrafted, but he does get signed by Pittsburgh. So he's he's in Steelers camp this week. You know what position he's playing? Center. Center. And those Steelers, they're not too dumb. They're, those aren't dummies. I wonder what they saw. Now they ain't spent a ton of time on Chris Owens, that they don't spend their summers on. Boy, we have this interesting undrafted free agent among the other 25 that we signed. Doesn't spend a lot of time on it. 
but Chris Owens is playing center. And I find that interesting. When you look at Alabama's offensive line, really Bryce Young is the type of quarterback that's supposed to make your offensive line look better. Alabama should have had one of the top, statistically speaking, as far as sacks allowed, should have had one of the top offensive lines in the country last year. Because if you have the kind of talent that they have, when there are leaks, when there are breakdowns, you have a guy who can escape and very good at making guys, you know, being very elusive in the pocket, creating extra time and getting the football off. The fact that we saw Alabama's offensive line struggle as much as it did and give up the amount of sacks that it did on top of having a, a mobile player back there in Bryce Young, Mac yep. Jones would have been sacked 87 times. I mean, it, he would have gotten just absolutely destroyed behind this offensive line that Alabama had last year. I think that tells you something. And I also think, did Alabama just all of a sudden stop being able to evaluate offensive linemen? Did they bring in all these guys and just all of every one of them just swing and misses? Or, or what's the more likely scenario? Maybe the guy who was in, in charge of developing and bringing along those guys maybe didn't do as good of a job as people were hoping that he would when he was hired. That happens. I don't know what that reasoning would be, but that's the way I view it. There's Because in the past, you bring in an offensive line haul like Alabama had last year, as far as, you know, I mean, you're talking about Tommy Brockermeyer and J.C. Latham, top two tackles in the country, Terrence Ferguson, one of the, you know, top interior offensive linemen in the country, a top 70 player. You're talking about James Brockermeyer, one of the top center prospects. And, of course, Jaden Roberts, who was another four-star player, very highly coveted. You bring in that type of talent, and you can't, you know, you've got weak links, and you can't get any of those guys ready to step up and take one of those spots. Alabama's had that in the past. You know, they need Cyrus Quanjo to play early. He played early. They need Cam Robinson to play early. He played early. They need Evan Neal to step up and take one of those starting jobs. He's doing it. You didn't get that last year. Why is that? Why were none of these guys ready to become that guy? And to me, I mean, I know this has turned into a Doug Marone bash session, and that's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm, I'm looking at – I've always asked myself why. You know, why certain things are happening. And I just don't believe that Alabama lost its touch as far as evaluating offensive linemen. I think Eric Walford and his ability to develop and groom offensive linemen is very well respected. Obviously, at SEC Media Days, Nick Saban talked about how good of a job he was doing. And mm -hmm. that's also what makes me encourage you. If JV and Cohen has NFL tools and NFL teams say, hey, if we can get this guy with our offensive line coach, with our coaching staff, we'll be able to turn him into a heck of a player. Well, Alabama can do that too. So there's still a lot of belief there that if they get the right guy in place, you got yourself a, a very highly regarded NFL offensive lineman. You talk about J.C. Latham, same thing. You know, Tyler Steen, steady player. Emil Ikior Jr., I thought it was big that he went from 324 down to 307. If he can keep some of that power that he had on top of being able to improve a little bit as far as his pass protection, I think that's big for Alabama's offensive line. It's like I said, there's plenty of reasons for optimism, and it includes the talent on the roster, even though you don't really know where the NFL talent is yet. But to me, the number one thing is Eric Walford. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, basketball is a funny sport to, to, to bring up parallels, but here, here's my here's why Walford to me is exactly what Alabama needed and exactly why this was probably the best hire of the four new hires. He was the best one, you know, if, if you're an let, let's just take Phil Jackson, maybe the best NBA coach of all time. Phil 
could get. What he specialized in was getting egos and some of the great NBA players of all time to play together as a team. And, and he was also good at invent, basically inventing or running a scheme offensively and defensively that worked and maybe drawing up a, a player or two at crunch time that got the game won. And that's what he was good at. But you know what? If you sent Phil Jackson to, let's say, Sunbelt Conference basketball and he, and he coached South Alabama, he'd probably struggle because everything he was good at with the Lakers and the Knicks and, and, and the Bulls, everything he was good at is irrelevant at South Alabama. You got to teach guys there to dribble. You got to teach them how to shoot. You got to teach them an inbounds play that they teach in high school just to inbound the ball against pressure. And I think Phil would struggle. And I think that makes sense to people at Alabama because we saw that with Avery. I, I think it was Avery's biggest issue. Avery could do things that you'd ask an NBA coach to do, and he's good at that. But that's got nothing to do with coaching a college basketball team. Now, Marone is one of the best offensive line coaches alive today and would probably be on the short list of potential hires of 32 NFL football teams. And so few people can say that. But he is highly respected in that league. But just because you have developed a career where you are really, really good at coaching multimillionaire experts, that does not mean that you're really good at teaching an 18-year-old how to do this job, how to, you know, how to use your feet, how, how, you know, how to bend, how, how to pick up a blitz, what to look for, how to make a line call, all this what, what's too elementary for the NFL is your entire building block in college. And I think it takes patience. It takes a lot of development. It takes a certain skill. And Walford's been a college coach his whole career. I mean, I think he's been a brief time in the NFL or something, or, but he, he is a, a lifetime college coach. So he has spent his whole life teaching 18 and 19-year-olds how to do this, not teaching 30-year-old all pros how to, adjust and make NFL adjust. It's just a completely different world. And I think Wolford is exactly what Alabama needs to get back to basics with that offensive line group. Because to me, it's about the basics. It's not about the talent. I, I, I do think Alabama had some swing and misses in the offensive line evaluation, but guess what? They're going to continue to do that because you'll never bat a thousand. Never. Not even Nick Saban. He's the best to ever do it. And he doesn't bat a thousand. So you're going to have misses, but what you got to have is an offensive line coach that can get the best out of what you do have. And, and, and I think Wolford, of all the new hires, he's the best one because he's exactly what Alabama needed at this time in that position group. What are your thoughts on, because we had a subscriber on the message board, Touchdown Heroes, who brought up an interesting combination of offensive linemen and I'll tell you what those are and then I'll give you my quick thoughts on it and then I'll let you tell me what you think but he had Tyler Steen at right tackle he had Emil Ikior at right guard he had Darian Dalcourt at center McLaughlin or Dalcourt I think you can you know that's really not the topic of conversation but then he had JC Latham at guard and his justification was that he played excellent at right guard against uh, Cincinnati in the in the Cotton Bowl which is 100% accurate he did, he did. And then JVN Cohen, 
and he says, you know, he has the footwork to mirror laterally. And Saban mentioned him as a possible left tackle candidate in the spring. Just our interior offensive line depth was shot during the spring. Now, here's the thing. I think to some degree that's accurate, but I I still don't think you leave. If you think Cohen needs to be adjusting to playing in space and playing tackle, I don't think you leave him at guard throughout the entire spring, regardless of what your depth looks like on the interior. Because now he's got to make that adjustment and get used to playing that in fall camp and fall camp only. And we saw how difficult that can be, you know, with Chris Owens. And granted, I think Cohen could make an easier transition out to tackle, but I don't think you have, I mean, now that you've got Tyler Steen on campus, you've recruited him. I don't think you recruit him to sit him on the bench. I think you start somewhere, which in this case, you know, Tyler Steen is certainly still in the starting lineup and that's big, but you have him, you have Kendall Randolph, you have Amari Kite, you have a lot of tackle options. You've got, you know, JC Latham as a tackle option. You have Tyler Booker as a tackle option. I don't foresee if the plan was to try out Cohen at tackle because you think he can survive out there, which I do believe that he could. I think that that transition would have happened a lot sooner. And so if I were Alabama fans, I would not be banking on that possibility. If that ends up happening, I would say that that is not a good thing. That is kind of like Chris Owens kicking out to right tackle at the last second last year. It was out of desperation. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I blame – I'm not saying what the right move was. I, I mean, I, I hate being the guy that, like, points out the problem and doesn't bring a solution to the table, but I think the season-long offensive line woes were exacerbated by putting a new group on the field the week of the Miami game and going with it and, and, uh, and abandoning what you had done the entire spring and fall instead of just fixing Chris Owens that obviously the Steelers aren't too concerned about it. I mean, now he might only be in training camp a week and he gets cut, but – Anyway, to to, I think that's interesting, and I and Cohen could get away with playing left tackle. I'm that high on him. I I think when Alabama recruited him, it was with the idea that he would probably be a tackle, uh, and, and then he just ended up with a better opportunity at guard. But here's my uh, answer for why I don't think that will happen. And, and, and you made the excellent point that is it is it almost too late to put Cohen at tackle? I believe it is. I'm with you. I think it is. I I, I like going with what you've been doing and making it work. Here's the another reason I don't think we'll see Cohen at tackle, and that's Tyler Booker. I, I don't have Tyler Booker in the starting lineup this fall. I really don't. I think the tackles will be Steen and Latham, probably Steen left and Latham right, just based on experience. But Tyler Booker, to me, at, on A-Day, showed that he was ready to play. Now, he, he got beat a few times, but he's also playing against NFL players. I mean – is an unfair test. I thought he did well enough against Will and Dallas and Braswell to show me that, you know what? If you stuck Booker out there this fall, you might have a rough September, but I think by October, November, we've got us another Cam Robinson, you know, another freshman tackle that's getting it done. I, I think Tyler Booker's good. And I think because Tyler Booker's good, you don't have to move Cohen. That means that Steen and Latham have tackle, and if something goes wrong, I think Booker could be ready. I, I think you only move Cohen as if you're scared to death about your tackle situation. But Steen is is more is adequate or more than adequate. 
Latham is likely a future star. And, and I think Booker is even more likely a future star. And I'm very comfortable with those three. And then you got guys you can play at garbage time when it's time to rest everybody. You can play Kite. You can play Randolph. Maybe even uh, Tommy Brockermeyer is probably ready to play now, too. Everybody forgets about him. He's been hurt. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really counting on Tommy until next spring myself just because this fall actually feels like his real true freshman season that he was kind of robbed of a year ago due to the injuries. But, uh, but Booker is why I'm not moving Cohen. I, I, I have a lot of confidence in Tyler Booker based on what I saw this spring. So that provides me with the idea that we have three tackles, not two. So we don't have to move JV on. Yeah, and, and I still think that the coaching staff, I mean, you know, I still think Kendall Randolph is viewed as an option at tackle. Mm -hmm. I still think that Amari Kite is in that conversation. He's viewed as an yep. option at tackle. You throw in Booker and what everything that you just said, and I agree with, you know, 90% of it. I think he's a, you know, a potential uh, tackle prospect. And then you throw in Latham and you throw in Steen. There's just, there's so many options out there. I still think that you're more limited on the interior. And I mean, you could, yeah. you could kick Latham to the interior and bolster that spot. You could kick maybe Tyler Booker. I think he could play guard if you wanted to. But at the same time, let Cohen continue to grow in that role. You know, it, now that he's got an offensive line coach who I think can develop him properly, I think he's got enough likable traits. And, and obviously there's a reason that he, you know, a lot of Alabama fans say, why in the world is he being viewed by NFL evaluators as Alabama's best offensive line prospect? And then when you turn it on, it's like, he's got a lot of likable traits, man. He's got size. He's got enough length. I think he's length. got, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't, he's not a tree trunk guy. You know, it's not like right. he's, you know, he's not, uh, you know, Evan Neal out there as far as his length, but for a guard, especially he's got good length. He, he plays with good bend. I think he's got, you know, some things that he needs to clean up from a technique standpoint and recognition, I think is something that he's still growing in. But if you keep kicking him him around, I mean, Evan Neal was one of those guys where he got it at left guard. He got it at right tackle. And so you just to say, I mean, more, we're going to be able to move him to left tackle. He's going to get it there too. He's got it everywhere else. With Cohen, I haven't exactly seen that. It's like, let him grow and get comfortable and confident in his current role. Stop, you know, don't move him around. They already played him at tackle you know, a little bit during his freshman season. Now you moved him inside the guard. I think he's got a great upside as a guard. Don't mess with that. Uh, I think you get a worse version of Cohen if you move him to tackle at this point. If you'd have had all spring to get more comfortable, you know, I would have been more on board with that, but I don't think he's the type of player where it's like, let's just plug him in pretty much anywhere we need a good starting offensive lineman and he'll be your guy and he'll be good. You know, I think he needs to settle into one spot. So I, I, even though I think it's intriguing and I'm not going to say that it won't happen, I think if it does, that will not, at least in my opinion, that will not signal great things for Alabama's offensive line. Agreed. Agreed. I, and and you move Cohen from guard, I'm almost shudder to think of, of who's the next guard. And for all the talk about Brockermeyer being a bust, which is crazy because he's just been hurt. He's just been hurt. Give, give him his freshman year do-over because he's been hurt before anybody makes too many uh, conclusions. But uh, Terrence Ferguson is a guy that I, I was hoping would be further along by now. And maybe he is. Hey, sometimes the light just comes on, and, and they're this this fall. Guys like Terrence Ferguson, guys like Amari Kite, you could wake up one day, Clint, and they're a different dude. They're a different dude tomorrow than they were today. Uh, that, I, and the offensive line, especially, and with you, these younger kids, especially, and those are two. I'm far from giving up on either one of them I, I, by any means, just because they're not in the start lineup yet. But I, 
I, I'm still hopeful that each each of them, Amari Kite, who's I think at least one class older too, uh, I, I think each each one of them the light could come on and they could be really good SEC football players. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So I, I think we're both still in agreement. Tyler Steen at left tackle, JV and Cohen at left guard, either Seth McLaughlin or Darian Dowcourt at center. I mean, yeah. right now I would lean McLaughlin, but it still is a very small sample size what we got you know, out of him last year. So I, I can understand if people want to let that battle play out. A little too premature to call it one way or the other, but then Emil Ikior Jr. at right guard and J.C. Latham at right tackle. Is that correct? Yep. I agree a million percent, and I'm also with you. I think we're sharing the same brain on, on what's happening at center. I think, I mean, picking today, I think it'll be Seth. I think he sort of uh, brings the unit together and is sort of a sort of you know a guy that can get everyone in the right spot. Uh, but if Dalcourt beats him out, I won't even be surprised. As a matter of fact, if Dalcourt beats him out, I'm going to be like, why in the world did I think the 270 pound younger center was going to beat out the 310 pound veteran who only lost his job because he got hurt. I mean, so <laughs> I think it is going to be McLaughlin. That is my guess. But if it's Dalcourt, I'm going to feel really dumb <laughs> because to me, in retrospect, it will kind of look obvious, right? I mean, in retrospect, you're like, well, damn, I should have known it. Dalcourt only lost the job because he got hurt. He's right. bigger and older than the other kid. Right. You know? Yeah. But, 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 hey, I'm just being honest. Well, I say, yeah, I think it's going to be McLaughlin. I'm right there with you. I think it could very well be McLaughlin as well. And it's a small sample size, but that's all we have to go off of with him. I thought he, you know, he played against Georgia, Cincinnati, and Georgia in his three starts. That's that's a pretty tough run. You know, you're if you saw him playing against the lesser opponents, you might see elite performances in those games and then some struggles down the stretch, and then you wouldn't really think too much of it. But that's going to do it for today's episode. We're running out of time. This has been fun. Thought we got a good conversation going, Jimmy. I appreciate you hopping on here with me. We will be back again, you know, here in a couple of days to talk about Alabama's defensive line and preview that. So looking forward to it. Once again, this is the Bama on 3 show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.